Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, it's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to I'm sure it's only a matter of time head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information 100. So, our brilliant colleague, Venetia Mingus, has been crunching the data to look at names, the influence of politics on names, and how many people named their baby after Simba in The Lion King. It's really, really good fun. Uh, so that's coming up in just a moment. We'll do the columnist panel as well. First, though, let's take a look at what we learned this week. We learned that Angela Rayner wants to change PMQs when she stands in to go up against Therese Coffey. Do that, say, right, instead of PMQs, Drunk shots, PMQs, Jaeger bombs. Yeah. You know, I can do a Sambuca, any yeah. flavour. There's another one <laughs> called a Slippery, I'm not going to mention nipple. the rest of it. Nipple. Uh, they're quite tasty. That's what you like. But I think we should you, just line yeah, so up the shots. we're lining this up. Instead of PMQs, you're going to go and have some Slippery Nipples with Therese Coffey. This <laughs> <laughs> sounds wrong, doesn't it? We learned that Wes Streeting is speaking for the nation. Well, who cares what Andrew Bridgen thinks? We learned that Lucy Fisher's really quick in our egg and spoon race. I just saw some movement somewhere. There's producer Lewis. Oh, there we are. Lucy's so, so... Oh, an easy Times Radio win. An easy Times Radio win. Connor's miles behind. You've dropped your egg. Oh, well, well done, Lucy Fisher. We learned that Labour have opened up a gap in the polls even bigger than the gaps that Liz Truss leaves between sentences. Uh, we learned that 16% of people think Liz Truss is making a good PM, which is the same number of people who think the moon landings were faked. Uh, we learned that if you thought British politics was mad, in America, the Republican Congresswoman, Marge Green, is currently giving away the chance to go in a helicopter with her to go hog hunting. We've got wild hogs destroying farmers' fields. So we decided to go hog hunting. Let's help American farmers out. Sign up below and let's go in that helicopter and go hog hunting. Enter to win now. 
Completely bad talk. And we learned, or at least Liz Truss learned, that you really don't mess with BBC local radio presenters. I mean, your Chancellor on Friday opened up the stable door and spooked the horses so much you can almost see the economy being dragged behind them. And Lydia says, are you ashamed of what you've done, are you? Have you taken the keys to the country and crashed the economy? It's not been a great week for Liz Truss, it has to be said, and almost nothing was as good as her appearance uh, on the local BBC radio stations this week, which prompted me to bring you my top ten car crash radio interviews. In at ten, Nick Clegg takes a misguided bet against Nick Ferrari that he'll still be Deputy Prime Minister at the 2015 election. I'd love to have a €50... or a £50 wager with you that this will be the last election call, called Clegg. Are you prepared to take the chance that you will be returning well, the deputy prime? worth more than £50. Euros, so, you like. know, I want to take more of your money off you. Yes. So, 50, do it in pounds. You'll take the £50 that you'll be returning to deputy prime? Yes. Uh, Nick, please gamble more responsibly. At nine, Dominic Raab says he would take the knee for... He wouldn't take the knee for Black Lives Matter because he doesn't watch Game of Thrones. I've got to say on this taking the knee thing, which I don't know, maybe it's got a broader history, but it seems to be taken from the game of France. In at eight, Jeremy Corbyn tries to use Google for the first time and Emma Barnett asked him how much his childcare policy costs. So how much will it cost? I'll give you the figure in a moment. Y- you don't know it? Um, what you're, I wanted... you're logging into your iPad here. <laughs> You've announced a major policy and you don't know how much it'll cost? At seven, Therese Coffey manages to stop Nick Ferrari in his tracks with some gangster rap. You've got a phone ring, are you yeah. okay? Yeah. I've just realised my alarm is going off on my phone. Oh I my apologize. goodness, what is the alarm You're for? You're getting a bit of Dr Dre. Unfortunately, that's the only doctor she's currently in contact with. At six, it's this classic, David Cameron confirming to the nation that he doesn't know how much a loaf of bread costs. What's the cost of a value sliced white bread loaf at Tesco or Sainsbury's this morning? Well, it's going to cost you uh, over a pound. I mean, I, I actually... A value I've got sliced a, I've got a, loaf, Mr Prime Minister. Va- I don't buy the value sliced loaf. Um, I, I've got a bread maker at home. <laughs> Almost nostalgia for that sort of honesty. At five, it's Dominic Raab back again on Times Radio this time, uh, constantly calling Stig Abel by another name. Sorry, Chris. Uh, sorry, Tom. The, the, Stig, the don't worry. This is Stig. Go, carry on. Uh, don't worry, Tom. It's happened to the rest of us. Stig who, frankly. In at four, Gordon Brown was forced by Jeremy Vines to listen back to a tape of him calling a Labour voter a bigoted woman. Has just handed me the tape. Let's play it and see if we can hear it. She'll never have put me with that woman. Whose idea was that? Ugh. On to the top three now. Taking bronze, it's Boris Johnson, who's a lie to the nation, when told by talk radio what he likes to do in his spare time. You make models of buses. I make models of buses. See, they're going to be in Downing Street. So, so what I do... No, what I do make models of buses, but what I, I make is... I get I get old, um, I don't know, wooden crates. Yeah. Right? And then I paint them. In it, too. She's only been the job 25 days, but she's already making her mark. It's Liz Truss. Uh, it's BBC presenters having Liz Truss for breakfast. I mean, your Chancellor on Friday opened up the stable door and spooked the horses so much you can almost see the economy being dragged behind them. And Lydia says, are you ashamed of what you've done, are you? Have you taken the keys to the country and crashed the economy? And in at number one, never mind Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak finally wins something. It's it's the moment that he pulled out of playing our hugely popular quiz. We're not going to do the quiz. I I literally have got 200 people waiting for me next door and I was meant to be there (laughs) two minutes ago, so... There we are, top ten radio uh, car crash interviews. Not so much a car crash interview I want to bring you now, though, than an interview I did uh, on Times Radio with Charles Walker. He's a Conservative MP, has been for a long time, uh, standing down at the next election. 
and I had him on to discuss this extraordinary Times YouGov poll putting Labour on 33 points ahead of the Tories. And I started off by asking him, it's not very good this, is it? Yes, it's it's really very, very bad, isn't it? I mean, there's no way of um, dressing this up as anything else but being pretty shattering. Do you think, and I've spoken to lots of your colleagues this week, even before this poll came out, because the, whatever it was, 17-point lead earlier in the week was pretty bad. They seem, your colleagues, MPs, some ministers, seem pretty gripped by how awful it is. Do you think the Prime Minister gets it? I, I hope so. Um, it would be difficult not to get it, wouldn't it? It is, it is, it is such, such a reverse in our fortunes. I mean, we were that we've been behind in the polls for for the best part of, I think, 12 to 18 months. But this is a sort of cliff-edge collapse. And it, it, it happens when you don't explain to the public and um, prepare the ground for, for, for a big financial statement. So people don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the reasoning. They haven't seen the workings behind the mathematics. And that's why people have taken fright. It seems extraordinary that we're even having this this conversation. When I, I read this morning that she's only been prime minister for twenty five days, and I thought oh, that can't be right. And I went and checked, and it is twenty five days. And yet already people are saying that she can't survive as prime minister. Do, do you agree with that? Is this already a fatal blow to her, her credibility and her premiership? Well, I mean, there's a general election in two years at the most, in just over two years, and I think it's hard to construct an argument now. Um, that the Conservatives can win that general election. I suspect the conversation is, um, you know, how much do we lose it by? And uh, what is our duty to the country? And our duty to the country is to get the public finances in the best shape possible. So if we uh, do lose the general election, we hand over some form of a legacy to the party or government that replaces us. I mean, we are we're a patriotic party. That's our, our first duty is to the country. Our, our, our first duty is not to get re-elected. Our first duty is to the country. How many of your colleagues do you think feel the same? This is now a question of preparing for defeat at the next election. Well, look, I mean, you'll get loads of ministers on who'll say, no, no, this is a snapshot in time. And to some extent, they're right. It is a snapshot in time, as your previous guest said from YouGov. It's, if there was a general election tomorrow, there won't be. But look, we've, we've had a number of economic shocks we had COVID then followed by Putin marauding around Eastern Europe that has put huge strain on economies. And inevitably, governments change. I mean, it's what happened in, in 97. It what happened in 2010 after the financial crisis that, that blew up while Labour was holding office. Look, things happen. It's events. And we don't have a, 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 a right to be in government for, forever. I mean, it's it's only it's a leasehold government, isn't it? And that lease comes to an end, and somebody else takes takes ownership of of, of the office. Uh, do you think that it should happen sooner rather than later? Just get on and have a general election. Just just finish this. To be actually two years of of Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng's, I don't know whatever it is, IEA pamphlet experiment with the economy, it would be too damaging. So no, no government um, that I'm aware of uh, tends to walk out early from office to go down to certain defeat. I mean, the cabinet will be no doubt thinking, right, how can we recover the position? Uh, because being 33 points behind in the polls is, is not when you go and have a general election. Um, so I think, uh, look, I suspect, I suspect this parliament will, will last for two years. And I sincerely hope that the prime minister and her cabinet uh, get on get on top of, of of the big issues 
uh, and improve people's standard of living and uh, do a competent job over the, the next two years. If they do that, there is an outside chance we could win the next general election. But I don't think we should be w thinking about winning general elections. We should be thinking about our obligation to the country that we serve. Uh, do you think Liz Truss should lead the Conservatives into the next election? Should, should uh, There's a difference about whether or not she can, but do you think she should? Well, that, that, that will be a, a matter for the party to decide. I suspect that if there was a change in leadership again, you would have to have a general election within weeks or months yeah. after after that change in leadership. Um, look, many colleagues, understandably, uh, will be worried about losing their seats. I saw a headhunter yesterday. There is not a raging bull market for former MPs, <laughs> and particularly if they're former MPs in a party that's just lost office. Um, and there will be a lot of very nervous and, and worried colleagues and uh, my message to them, if you change the prime minister now, um, there will inevitably be a general election within weeks or at most a few months. And uh, the end of your parliamentary career will happen rather sooner than you want it to. Charles, you sound quite sad about all this. I'm very sad. I'm a conservative. I've been a conservative all, all my life. And to, to, to see my party creating these unforced errors um, is, is very painful. And I think that the lack of humility is what I find most painful. Um, you know, we, we have really uh, got this wrong at many levels. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying the ambition to improve the economy, increase productivity is the wrong ambition. It's, it's an absolutely fantastic ambition, but it's just been executed so utterly poorly with real consequences to people. I mean, yeah. costs of borrowing have gone up. Hundreds, hundreds, if not more than a thousand mortgages have been withdrawn from the market. People have lost their mortgage offers. And to blame this on international events. Um, yes, international events are shaping our economy, but 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 this but but they're shaping that over a period of months. This happened over a period of days. We cannot absolve ourselves from responsibility for this. People are right to be really cross and upset. Charles Walker, their Conservative MP, being pretty honest, actually, about the fact that uh, his party's going to lose the next election. The question is just how much mess they leave for the Labour Party to clear up. Right, uh, now, though, it's time for, as we always do on a Friday, it's our Columnist panel. The Columnists with Formel, James Forsyth and Melanie Reid on Times Radio. Yes, it's that time on a Friday morning. Speak to James Forsyth. Morning, James. Morning, Matt. Uh, Melanie Reid. Morning, Melanie. Morning, Matt. What can we possibly talk about today? <laughs> 33 points, James. Have you ever seen anything like it? It, it is uh, astonishing. It was... Um, it, it, when you looked at the, the numbers of how many Tory MPs were left at the end of it, that was kind of what was quite striking. And we're all very used to in politics, you know, there, there is this mantra of, yeah, it's just one poll. But a whole bunch of polls came out yesterday. And yes, the lead in YouGov is larger. But the other leads are all kind of 18 points, 20 points, 21 points. These are all bigger leads than 1997. And I think what one Tory said to me last night about what most worried them about this is this is actually before people have felt any pain. This is on the news. This isn't people paying higher mortgages and saying, oh, my word. What I've got so much cash, less cash at the end of the month than I expected. This is just on the announcements, 
not the actual effects of them. And I mean, that, that is one of the things that, 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 that is worrying Tory MPs this morning, which is you know, th- this is on the news rather than on the reality. Um, Melanie, there was, if you do the, the put the the, uh, put the YouGov poll into one of those websites, which does seats, uh, there's only two left, only two toys left, and they're in Scotland. So you, you, at least you might not be far from one of them. <laughs> well, that's all right then. <laughs> it uh, might be you. You, <laughs> you might be the only one left. It, 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 you know, I, 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 right now, I just, I, I don't feel like a, a, a Times commentator. I just feel like an old disabled woman. Uh, you know, worried about her family's future, worried about her own future, and, and uh, as scared and helpless as anyone. Because everyone's security and dreams are being undermined by this. And we have this, this amazing sense of, of, of um, disempowerment. And, you know, we are at the total mercy of, of hard-right ideologues. And, and that is... We've, I don't think this has happened before... I don't think this has happened before in my lifetime. It's It's... It's, it's that okay. There was Mrs. Thatcher, but she wasn't. Um, she wasn't kind of going against going against the absolute uh, underlying uh, economic reality. She she had she had truth behind her. And you know, one, one of the most terrifying thing in James's column this morning, when he quotes he quotes a, a, an MP about about how calm Truss is, how calm she is, and how that's that that. Some people, some MPs are reassured by that. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's it's I, this is this is, is real ideologue stuff. We are at, we are we are at their mercy. It, it's scary. I'm genuinely not. You know, I'm 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 not sleeping at night because of this. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, and there'll be loads of you, who, um, loads of people who feel the the same, um, Melanie. It's interesting that point though, James, about trust being cut. I mean, it's not just. They did something last week, and it seems to have gone spectacularly wrong. It's that they don't seem to even acknowledge that it's gone spectacularly wrong, and alongside it are throwing in. If you thought that was unpopular, would you like some benefit cuts? Uh, would you like us to, you know, cut workers' rights? Um, would you know? And it, it just seems, I don't, I don't. I it's so bonkers. I can't really understand the political or economic logic of it. I, I think one of the things is that once you have. Uh, borrowed money to cut taxes for the uh 1% which is what labor can say after after friday after last friday then it is very hard to argue for restraint anywhere else you know what why should nurses accept a below inflation pay rise if you if you are if you are going to do that you've lost that argument that kind of we're all in this together uh there is a limit to to, to how much uh the government can borrow um and i think the other thing that that I think Treasury officials are saying that they worry that the senior figure in Downing Street saying that the markets are irrational. Well, you might not agree with the market's analysis, but when you are seeking to borrow an extra <laughs> £70 billion from the market because of your plans, you have to maintain their confidence. And you know, it, it's a bit like saying, well, the sea shouldn't be behaving like that. Well, it is. Mm-hmm. You, and, and if you are sailing a boat, you have to adjust to what the sea is doing, right? Um, and don't don't set out, don't set sail. I mean, I think when you, I think when we look back at this, what what happened is, you know, there is a deeply uncertain international environment, and what the government did was to launch a set of hugely radical policies into it, and they did so not 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 with any kind of reassurance, but with a kind of statement that they were upending 
orthodoxy, that they were upending 20 years of economic policy. And obviously, in those circumstances, the markets are going to look very carefully at what you are doing. And I think that I think that that is one of the challenges is that they and, you know, you now have this meeting between Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng and the OBR, the Office of Budget Responsibility. And the irony is that the decision not to proceed without an OBR forecast has made the OBR more powerful than it has ever been before. <laughs> because when this fiscal event happens, and I personally think it's going to have to be much sooner than November the 23rd, when it happens and the OBR forecast is released, everyone is going to turn to that to see what it says about the sustainability of the public finances, where debt is going to go to. And if the OBR is not satisfied that these numbers add up, then government borrowing costs are going to spike again. And so what they've done is, by trying to get around the OBR, they have made it a more powerful institution than it has ever been. And Melanie, when, when you're talking about you being, you being worried, I mean, you, you clearly are part of the, of the, of the benefit system. They, they seem to think they can find billions of pounds in. Well, they're saying that they're, going, they're planning to cut the benefit system in real terms. Yeah. Um, five, five billion pounds savings are, be, are, are being drawn up. Uh, so they'll put benefits in line with earnings, not inflation, um, and that will that will that will mean a real time a real time cut. At the same, so so uh, it's going to mean that it's also going to mean uh, for, for nurses, uh, nurses aren't going to get per, um, pay inflation in. Uh, Pay increases in line with with uh, with inflation um, at a time when um, you know they've lifted they've lifted the tax on the super rich on on, on the forty five percent tax limit. Um, nurses are are using food banks, and then their 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 pay isn't 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 going to be raised um, uh, enough. You know, it it is. There, there, there are an awful lot of people who rely on benefits. There are an awful lot of public servants who, who are on the bread line. Um, um, you know, I think it was the Times that had the story about the number of food banks operating in hospitals for nurses. Um, uh, and, and, and what a message. What a message. Is, it, is, is, is there any way back, back James? Is it? I mean, I suppose there's two things. Is there a way back? And then a separate question. Is Liz Truss capable of finding that way back? I do mean there is a way back that is politically palatable and economically possible. Now, I think if they came forward and said, we are delaying slash abandoning the cut to the 45p top tax rate, uh, we are... Uh, the, the 1p cut in the basic rate of income tax will go back to 2024 as initially planned. You know, that, that, that nod to fiscal rectitude might calm the markets down. But once you have U-turned on that, you are in office but not in power. Because, uh, you know, once you, once you in, don't forget, this, 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 this hasn't come kind of two and a half years into a government. This has come in the government's first month. This is, and, and if, they, if, they, if, they, if they row back on one of the central measures of that budget, then politically, you know, they are, they are not as, you know, they, they are clearly, they are clearly uh, in office but not in power. So I, I struggle to see how you can square this circle in a way that is politically um, palatable and economically possible. I also think just, you know, you go through all the options now. You know, but the, you know, some people say, oh, well, maybe they'll do what Alistair Darling did in 2009 and, and slash capital expenditure. If you do that, you're going to hit your forecast for future growth because that capital expenditure is one of the things that is meant to help the economy 
grow at a faster rate in future and to break what quasi Quartin calls this cycle of stagnation. Uh, you talk about um, benefits. You've just heard what Melanie was saying. I, I, I am deeply sceptical as to whether uh, the approach of not raising benefits in line with inflation is politically viable. Think about the NHS. There is a, there is a reason why David Cameron and George Osborne during the austerity years felt they had to exempt the NHS from it. Um, so I, I, I really do struggle to see how you square the circle from where they've got themselves. Uh, Melanie's gone. You know that uh, that you know how Charles Walker in that fabulous interview we did with him earlier, and he said, um, you know, uh, 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 we have we have a duty to the nation. We have a duty not not to do too much damage. And my real terror now is that um, how much damage if if they are as uh, behaving the way they are, if they crash on, how much damage can they do? Uh, to the economy before, because they don't think like Child Walker. They obviously don't, and they they're going to they're going to hand over to the next government, whoever it may be, uh, an absolute poison chalice, and that that you know that is another grave worry. Yeah, and I think that yeah, the, the, I thought that the, the Charles Walker talking about the um, you know actually the other priority should be fixing the economy so that there's a better legacy for the next government. The, it was, was the honour, the honour, yeah. The yeah, honour yeah. of of looking after the country yeah. is is bigger than the Conservative Party. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, um, it's a depressing note to end on, but sadly we will have to. Uh, James Forsyth and Melanie Reid, good to speak to you. James Forsyth and Melanie Reid, there, and of course you can read them both in the Times every week. Just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box, and right now you can get your first month for free. Up next, say my name, say my name. 1 size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast. Now, it's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... It's named Sadie. Right, so statistically... 
This week, more people are trying to think of a baby name than any other time of the year. This week, in fact, the September the 26th, more children were born in England and Wales on any day of the year. It's the most popular day. Why? I'll leave you to work out. It's nine months since Boxing Day. So, means lots of people looking for inspiration for baby names. Will we see more Reemers being born? <laughs> After BBC Leeds' Rima Ahmed, who grilled Leeds Trust yesterday, will we see some Quasis? Or maybe more Matts, Matthews? It seems unlikely, unfortunately, because uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about changes in society uh, during the Queen's reign, we were looking at names and the number of babies called Elizabeth over the years, and I boasted, oh, Matthews always been very popular, in the top ten. It turns out that wasn't really uh, quite quite the right. Uh, wasn't actually true. Patrick Guy and I uh, had a look at the baby list names to see just how unpopular we now were. Would you like to see Patrick, who is the most popular uh, name? Uh, what between you and I? Yeah. Well, I think you've beaten me, surely. Only just. I think Matthew last year was one hundred and four uh, in twenty twenty one hundred fourteenth. Patrick was one hundred seventeenth. Wow. Oh. I think Matthew's fallen out of fashion. He used to be quite. Yeah, in fact, it did look so... It That's looked... higher than I thought for Patrick, you know. If you go back to the year 2000, Matthew was ninth. What's going on? What have you done, Patrick? Sixth. Was it, yeah, pa- uh, yeah, you've become more popular. Matthew and Patrick, two good saints names. It's our godless society. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's names like uh, Tyler and Mason and Kai are all the rage now, are they? <laughs> so, that got us thinking about names. So... It was all actually all of that was prompted, prompted by uh, some work by Venetia Mingus, who was a uh, data journalist at the Times of the Sunday Times. So we've got her back to do a whole bit of work on uh, on names. Uh, Venetia, how are you? I'm good. So let's. Um, in fact, what I'm going to do is w- w- while we start talking, I'm going to tweet the link to the piece so that people can. If you if you listen to the radio, and you're obviously not if you're, not if you're driving, uh, but go online and have a look at the piece because there's a there's a, there's a what do you call it a widget a gadget at yeah. the bottom where you can go online and search for your own name as we're going along. But if you if you want to just text in your name and ask where you are in the league table, I can always look it up for you. So, um, uh, Venetia, let's start then with uh, what prompted all this. Patrick and I, Patrick, Matthew, as we're saying, proper saints' names. Uh, but uh, they seem to be falling out of fashion a little bit. So uh, talk us through how we used to be very popular and now we're not so much. That's quite right. The popularity of all four of the saints' names that title the Gospels of the Bible, so Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, have fallen since 96. On average, the four names ranked as 30th in popularity for boys' names in 96, with Matthew, of course, being the most popular. It was in the top ten, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Um, and now it's not. No, and by (laughs) 2020, their average rank, all four of them, was 154th. Um, So this really echoes the fall in the percentage of the population who define themselves as Christian. You know, in 2001, 72% of the country identified as Christian. And by 2019, this had fallen to 51%. That's that's quite a big drop. You'd think 2001 wasn't, in my mind, doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But to to lose, what, 20-odd percent of people now no longer identifying as Christian, I suppose that does make a difference. And are there other religious names that are coming through instead? Definitely. Uh, Mohammed was the 103rd most popular name in 96, but by 2020, it was the fifth most popular. Uh, in Pendle, Lancashire, which is a local authority bordering Bradford, 13% of all boys born in 2020 were registered with the name Mohammed, which was the highest share of any one name in one area that year. And is that, a, is that just a sort of equivalent of John? Is it a sort of, it's just a very popular name, particularly in Muslim areas? 
Yeah, definitely. It's the prophet's name. So yeah. it's a go-to. It's a go-to. Yeah. 30% is still quite a lot. It must be quite difficult in schools. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, if you know, what would that work out? Like two or three boys in every class, possibly. Pretty much, just over one in ten. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, um, are there other regional variations, names that only crop up in certain parts of the country? Definitely. Names popularity varies very wildly by geography. In Tower Hamlets, for example, the most popular girl's name in 2020 was Miriam. But in Kensington and Chelsea, it was Charlotte. And uh, Jack, <laughs> spelt J-A-C without the K, yeah. is uh, 420th, which is not very high in England and Wales as a baby boy's name, but was the most popular name in Ceredigion in Wales, which I hope I haven't butchered the pronunciation of. Oh, I do that all the time. They don't mind. Okay. <laughs> That's weird. I've not, I've not really come across... Is there a reason for that, Jack? Well, I tried in... to find out. And yeah. there's, there's some Welsh rugby player. Oh, right. But I don't know if that's the top. There might Amazing. be some historical reason. Yeah. Uh, any other names which have... Uh, maybe some girls' names which have dropped out of fashion? Yeah, names such as Rebecca, Amy and Megan, you know, spelt without the H, uh, featured in the top 10 in 96, but don't even feature in the top 100 names as of 2020. Lauren, for example, another one, was the fifth most popular name in 96, but only had 77 registered new girls with the name in 2020, dropping to 521st. That's a bit, that is a big old drop. Yeah. So if we've got the... Uh, oh, we'll, do the we'll do the top the top five of how they currently stand at the moment. See, I knew you'd all get overexcited about this. Patricia, uh, 26... Uh, 26 out of 9. Oh, that's your birthday, is it, Patricia? There we are. I bet Patricia's not popular. No offence, Patricia. I don't mean you personally. My wife's been in touch. My wife's na- his name is Alison, but it's spelt with a Y. Okay. And no one knows why. A mum could never explain why she adopted... Because that means her entire life is... Her name, when she tells on it, is always Alison with a Y. With a y. That's just really annoying. Well, I've got the data in front of me, and Go I can then. tell Patricia if she's listening... Yes that her name in 2020 was the 771st most popular with only 47 registrations. And that's been pretty... It's actually improved over time. Oh, it's picking up. Yeah, it's picking up. Is there a famous Patricia who could be feeling that? It seems unlikely. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what about... um, I mean, no offence, Patricia, but who looks at a baby and thinks, I mean, she looks like a Patricia. (laughs) Uh, Right, let's keep going then. Um... How does the age, this is really interesting, the age of parents and the names that they choose. So this is the all Office of National Statistics data, famously only England and Wales, because they're very different in Scotland. They have a completely different thing. Uh, So it's not UK names. Um, uh, And uh, so so you can sort of cross-check names against the age of the mother. Yeah. So what impact is that having? Well, as you can imagine, people want to choose a name that wasn't very popular when they were growing up. So you sort of see these cycles. Sometimes every 100 years, a name will come back in popularity. But overall, traditional names remain a more popular choice for mothers aged 35 years and over. And younger mothers like to opt for more modern, shorter names. Vowels are very in fashion. Vowels? Yes. So things that begin and end with vowels. We'll get get to that in a minute. We'll get to that. Right, okay. Now, there's clearly an influence. We were, talk- we were talking about, you know, is there a famous Patricia who's driving all this? There's clearly an influence of pop culture, which uh, this <laughs> I find this astonishing. One of the big determin- uh, determin- determiners. Is that a word? Determinant, we're not sure. Anyway, pop culture has a big influence on baby names. Let it go. 
So, Frozen appears in 2013 in cinemas. What did that do to the names of the characters? It's quite a noticeable spike in the data set, actually. As soon as Disney released the blockbuster Frozen in 2013, whose main character is obviously called Elsa, um, it led to a massive spike in the number of babies registered as Elsa. It doubled in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> However, even at its peak, it failed to make the top 100 names, ranking 104th for girls' names. But that's, I mean, it doubling is pretty, pretty much. And you'd think, well, OK, it's a nice name and, you know, girls like Frozen, so, so that's all fine. But it, it, it's not the only one. Yeah, so um, I really like the idea that somebody might have named their child after the baboon or something for this. Uh, for, but what's what's the influence of uh, the Lion King on names? Well, when the Lion King remake was released in 2019, it actually knocked Frozen off of its top as the highest-grossing animated film, and it happened to be the same year that three boys named Simba were registered in Animals. <laughs> Which was the first time that it made the data set because if there are less than three names, yes. it won't appear. <laughs> Who sits and watches that and thinks, Simba's a nice name. Do you think they, le le they left the hospital and like held the baby aloft at Absolutely. For the multi-storey car park? That's probably the main reason they the named him Simba. The main reason for doing it. That is very, very funny. Three babies called Simba because of that. Uh, and uh, it's not just uh, kids' films uh, that, that influence names either. Now, people um, who like dragons and that will recognise that that is Game of Thrones. It doesn't surprise me the sort of people who watch that name their children after it. Are you a fan? I am a fan. All right, fine. We won't get bogged out. Let's not fall out. <laughs> um, uh, what's the influence of Game of Thrones on names? Well, Arya in particular became very popular. I mean, last year there were 371 Arias registered. And, you know, when Game of Thrones came out, that really started in 2019. It was 427. And if you go back 10 years ago, there's only a spattering three, four Arias registered. I suppose that's a slightly more unusual name. Mm. Maybe if you're really into uh, Game of Thrones, then you'd notice it. But El Elsa, Simba is ridiculous. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're, if you, well, if you are, a, if you've got a Simba, if you named your child Simba, do get in touch. Uh, but I mean, come on. Uh, um, and, but it's not just not just Game of Thrones. Loads of TV shows seem to be having an influence. Yeah, definitely. Um, similar trends in popularity have been seen for the names Maeve and Otis, which, if you don't know, are the two leading characters of the show Sex Education. Um, in 2020, 612 boys were registered with the name Otis, when back in 2000 there was only 18. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's another one. I just choked on a load of things I don't watch. I've started, actually, I, try, I've, I have tried Stranger Things, and it's, not, it's just not really my cup of tea. But not only have people watched it, this is bonkers. What's the name that people are lifting from Stranger Things? Of course, it's Eleven, which entered the data set for the first time in 2018. <laughs> three baby girls, given the name, the same year that Netflix came out. That's amazing. Eleven. Are there, do people call their children all the numbers? That's a very good question. <laughs> we will do that in a sec. We're with the break. So, um, 
popular culture uh, can also lead to some baby names. You know, the, what, the popular names in popular culture could then lead to baby names. Does that have a, a reverse effect of names dropping out? Definitely. The whims of popular culture also lead to unpopular names. A good example. Uh, in 96, there were 72 baby girls registered as Karen. Now, as you might know, in the past few years, the name has become synonymous for a white woman who's entitled and uses her privilege to demand her own way. So unsurprisingly... This is like the, the social media, there's such a Karen. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's a female version of gammon. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not the best not comparison the best, exactly. you want. It's not what you want. No. So in 2020, just 16 newborns were registered with the name Karen in England and Wales. So that's what that's when he dropped out of fashion. Yeah. Now somebody somebody messaged in uh, on on with a, with a question which was, da, 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 da. oh where is it? Somebody messaged in about Alexas, and they were oh here we are. Mary says I set a ten minute alarm on my smart speaker. When it went off, I shouted Alicia stop. It kept beeping. I shouted Alicia stop again. Beeping continued. A third attempt didn't stop it either. So I tried Alice. Nothing. Even AXA. How was I ever to go and to stop this irritating beeping? I had to check the app on my phone to remember it was called Alexa. That's uh, signed Mary losing it. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the the rise and fall of the name Alexa is, is extraordinary uh, from this piece. Explain what's happened. Yeah, there's no better example of how popular culture can bring a name up and down than Alexa. Um the British model and TV presenter Alexa Chung rose to fame in the mid-2000s and the name became more popular across the country. It actually peaked in 2011. There were 352 girls with the name. But Amazon then released to UK markets their voice-activated virtual assistant, as we know, which is called Alexa, uh, in 2016. And the number of baby girls fell drastically, dropping from 332 registrations in 2016 to just 17 in 2020. Presumably because what you don't want to be doing is standing at the bottom of the stairs saying, hey, Alexa. And every time it I apologise if I've just you. set off a device in your house. <laughs> a couple in Germany actually legally changed their daughter's name from Alexa because uh, she was relentlessly bullied in school. People were just shouting commands at her, which obviously... <laughs> I mean, that's not funny. It's not funny. That's not funny. No. I can see why you would why you would want to do that. Several people actually, when I asked about uh, stories of names, have got in touch with about someone in Australia, parents of a girl in Australia, was it New Zealand, who tried to name their daughter Tallulah Does the Hula from Hawaii, nine-year-old, uh, and was put into court guardianship in New Zealand so that her name could be changed uh, back again. Bless. Yeah. Parents, eh? They're annoying, aren't they? Uh, well, in a minute, we're going to talk more about uh, some more names. And we're going to speak to some people who, li- who live with the names of famous people, which is quite a thing to get, get through. Uh, we'll also fire up the spreadsheet and we'll see, because we'll, lots of you just texting in, my name's, Chris, my, my name's Adrian. Uh, what about Brendan? Uh, yeah, anyway, we'll do some more of those. Before we get to politics then, uh, what about the royals? Remind us of what you found with, uh, when you were looking at Elizabeth and, and others. Well, despite her popularity with the public, Elizabeth became a less common name for a baby girl in England and Wales during her reign. Uh, its popularity peaked in 1954, the year after her coronation, and it was the eighth most popular name at the time. But by 2020, it was the 56th most popular. But it's not just Elizabeth that I looked into. The number of baby girls in England and Wales registered as Megan, spelt with an H, doubled from 49 to 101 in 2018, the year that Meghan Markle married Prince Harry. 
That year, it was the 431st most popular girl name, whereas Kate was 596 with only 69 registrations. Oh, dear. Mm. Um, it's so interesting that, though, isn't it, that people go go to, well, we'll do the spelling with the H, and then you spend your entire life saying, no, it's Megan with an H. Yeah. Um, uh, what about, uh, um, do you think we might see a, 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 I suppose we might see a rise in Elizabeth following the death of the Queen, but then... There's another Liz in the news who's currently not so popular, so maybe it might cancel it out. Yeah, it'll be hard to figure out. Let's talk. Let's talk politics there. This is what we really want to know. Do politicians seem to have any influence on baby names? Well, the popularity of front bench politicians usually plummets after they step into the limelight, and so does the popularity of their names. However, bucking the trend in characteristic fashion is Boris, whose name actually rose in popularity during the time Boris Johnson was in frontline politics. Uh, before he became the mayor of London in 2008, there was an average of 12 Borises born every year. And this rose to 35 a year on average after his debut into political leadership. So people did. Uh, but I suppose what, so the most recent data we've got is what, 2020. So yeah. uh, he was still relatively popular then. Yeah, there were 43. 43 Borises. Yeah, which is the second highest Amazing. that it had been in two decades. So let's, we can now speak to someone called David Cameron. David Cameron, you're on the line? I am, yes. Good morning. Now, David Cameron, I mean, clearly your parents didn't know you're not you're sort of named after a famous person. How is it sharing your name with the other guy? It's okay now, but at the time, it, uh, a lot of people thought I was taking, you know, making a joke whenever I spoke to him on the phone. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't very enjoyable at the time, but okay, it's okay now. It's kind of died down and passed away. I suppose every time, what, every time you like, you phone to book a restaurant or uh, yes, exactly make an appointment or anything like that, people just thought you were taking the mic. Yeah, quite often, you know, or, or, yeah, think, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't take it seriously. Were there ever? At what point did you become aware of David Cameron being a thing? Um, I guess I was still quite young at that time, um, so maybe in my kind of teenage years. Um, yeah, as, as yeah, around that time. But interestingly enough, my, my cousin is also called David Cameron as well. Um, so there's two David Cameron in our family. <laughs> Does it, if you ever manage to turn it to your advantage at all, is it sort of opened any doors or got you to jump a queue or, you know, sent some government papers? Uh, no, no. Uh, well, actually, I, I, I tell a lie. I used to do a lot of travel with work. And I remember uh, going to Germany one time. And I'd given my details before I arrived, and then they gave me the form of the hotel to sign, and it said um, my address, number ten Downing Street, on the, uh, <laughs> on the form. So the hotel did it as a joke, um, but oh, no, they never got me into any secret clubs or any. They didn't yeah. roll out the red carpet for you. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, it did, that way. Did you ever think about changing it? <laughs> no, no, never that bad. I, I knew that at some point it was going to change to a different prime minister, so I just had to buy my time. Yeah, now, I mean, we've had several since. And we might have another one again. Uh, David Cameron. Well, yes. David Cameron, thank you very much for joining us on Times Radio. Uh, now, an even more ridiculous uh, sentence. I'm now joined by Matt Chorley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> this is very weird. Now, um, do, I mean, before you were contacted by the producer, did you know about me? I did, yes. Um, it was actually my brother that pointed that out, um, randomly sent me a photo of, of your name in, in the Times. 
uh, in the newspaper, and I thought it was amusing. Um, but yeah, that, yeah. So I did know. Yeah. And if you does, does showing my name has that opened any doors for you? Uh, unfortunately, not. <laughs> no. Is it, well, well, I can tell you, doesn't open um, any doors for me either. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. You know, um, I, you know, as, as much as with my name, you know, people don't understand how to spell the surname, even if I say the place, Chorley. Yeah, you know, no. a lot of people don't realise quite how to spell it, you know, so that one's always fun. I but, know, oh, I'm um, glad it's not just me. Get it all the time. <laughs> Surely, Corley. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. And what do you do, Matt? I'm a chef. Oh, nice. Whereabouts? Um, uh, in Hampshire. In, yeah, just outside Southampton. Oh, I'm in Fleet. That's not a million miles oh, away no. from you. No, no, I used to live in Fleet. I worked at the Aviator for a while in Farnborough. Did you? Yeah. So you're another Matt Chorley who lived in Fleet? Yes, I did, yeah, about five years ago. <laughs> this yeah. is very weird. Anyway, very Matt, great. it's really good to speak to you. I hope one day you can cash in on my name, because hopefully that will mean that I'm <laughs> I'm doing all right as well. Good to speak to you, Matt. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> Oh, that was very funny. Um, uh, talk to us about some more more political names. Teresa's, Corbyn's, what happened with those, Venetia? Well, the name Teresa had already been falling in popularity, to be fair, over the decades, but it fell to an all-time low in 2019, which was the same time Theresa May was desperately trying to get approval from the public and her own ministers um, as she struggled to negotiate a Brexit deal. There was actually a spike in the name of boys named Corbyn in 2016 as a first name, which is quite peculiar, with 18 registrations just after he was elected as Labour leader. But in line with his chances of becoming Prime Minister, this fell to zero in 2019. <laughs> oh, dear. That's a, I mean, it's amazing. Who, anyway, who thinks... Oh, Jeremy... Because it's a name you're stuck with forever. I really remember going through this with our daughter because we were convinced we were having a boy. I can't believe we're going to call him Zach, I think, which is, which is also fine. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, and then and then you sort of suddenly... I, I felt a real weight of pressure of trying to decide. You know, you're lumping someone with a name for, forever. Um, and what about names which have fought, really, really fallen out of fashion? Yeah, there's a few other figures that have some chequered reputations that have seen their name drop in popularity. Uh, in 2016, the year of the Brexit referendum, not one boy was registered with the name Nigel, perhaps due to the <laughs> controversial political figure Nigel Farage. Half the country might like. I mean, because not Gary's Gary's are on the way out as well, aren't they? Gary yeah. Lineker, I think, is always complaining that his uh, his name is on the way. Oh, well, well, I tell you what, because we've, um, we've had quite a lot of a uh, lot of you messaging in, so let's uh, let's <laughs> let's see how many of these we can get through. Lorraine with one R. She, she says, I've had to spell it all of my considerable life. I hate it. And even now, still thinking about changing it. That's, uh, that's really not. I think anything where you've got to spell it. There was a, somebody McDonald as well uh, messaged in, and there, theirs was McDonald, M A C D O N A. Yeah. Well, Lorraine with one R has only actually made the data set twice. Oh, dear. In 2009, there were three. Yeah. And in 2000, there were four. So there's only, you know, born in the past 20 years, there's only seven Lorraines with an R out there. That's, uh, Jeff says, did you hear about the Miner family? They named their born son Morris. Months later, BMC bought out the Morris Miner. As an adult, we did actually work at the company. I don't know if you're just making this up now. Um, uh, are there names which are coming up the ranks that we should be keeping an eye on? 
Well, there are indeed the two names. Should I spoil the top the top five, or should I wait? Um, oh no, go on. Then we'll have to let's let's uh, let's um wait, let's do the most popular boys and girls. So we'll start with boys' names first. What's at number five? We've got Mohammed. And then in it four. Noah. At three. Arthur. Number two. George. And the number one boy's name in England and Wales is... Oliver. As I now to the girls' names. At number five. Mia. At number four. Ava. It's all the vowels, isn't it? Yeah. At number three. Isla. At number two... Amelia. And in at number one, the most popular girl's name in England and Wales is... Olivia. So the, I noticed that before. The, so the, the thing about the... the uh, so Ava, Isla, Amelia, Olivia... Yeah, all in the top five. And Isla, for example, in 96, there was only 87 Islas registered, and now there's about 3,000 every year. I've got, a, I've got a niece called Isla. So, yeah. Anyway, that's not interesting, is it? Uh, thank you for your... <laughs> it's, it's so I genuinely think it's really fascinating the psychology of what goes into it uh, and what um, you know the names and the fashions and and then the one comes along and something very popular. It's the Alexas I feel sorry for. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, ten till one on Times Radio, and we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 